Welcome to the Dragon Queen Movies Podcast. I'm Ned. And I'm Joe. Uh, this podcast is going to be talking about the movie Beetlejuice from 1988. And it stars Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Jeffrey Jones, uh, Kathleen O'Hara, and Winona Ryder, plus more. So that's an interesting cast, to say the least. Indeed. So, Joe, what did you think? Of Beetlejuice. So, uh, Beetlejuice was another one of those 80s classics that I had the cartoon to go off of <clears throat> as a child, but not the context of the movie. Okay. You know, therefore, we're here today right, doing right, a right. podcast on it. Um, so, a lot of the uh, character uh, or characteristics of Beetlejuice that I had to go off of were off of the cartoon, which to my surprise, having watched this is uh, pretty different, not not necessarily in in style, because I think the style of the cartoon kind of fit the movie style. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the uh, character interactions uh, were drastically different in the cartoon from the movie. Right. Would so, you care to elaborate on an example? Yeah. So like Lydia and, and Beetlejuice's um, relationship. Mm hmm. In, in the cartoon, they're like best friends, sidekicks almost. Right. Uh, whereas in the movie, it's, uh, it's complete opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it's very, very interesting to see that play out. Because honestly, uh, I mean, for the movie itself, Beetle just doesn't really come into effect until the last half of the movie or the last quarter of the movie. Yeah, I mean, they haven't sprinkled throughout uh, the beginning kind of promoting. But uh, yeah, he is kind of... Uh... I don't necessarily want to say full on antagonist, but he's definitely not making things easy. Right. Right. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you, you kind of like have this ominous uh, thing of, you know, don't don't call him. He's bad news. Mm -hmm. But uh, the bad news doesn't really pull in until I think halfway through the movie and then it kind of goes away again. And then it kind of hits its peak at the end of the movie. So, yeah, so I was I was kind of interested or surprised by that as well, that. You know, he wasn't really the whole movie. He was kind of half the movie, I guess. But yeah, I digress. Going back to the beginning of the movie, the score, the uh, the opening intro mm -hmm. uh, really sets kind of the mood for the whole movie. I thought um, like the uh, the title song, the the fun play and the chaoticness of the song and the catchiness of it all kind of, I think, really encapsulated what the movie was going to be like right off the get-go um, yes so yeah i i that is something i was gonna is really touch good on. like i love how it kind of went from a like you know the deo song is pretty kind of iconic from this movie but the way they kind of used it for the intro where they kind of did like a darker tone to it and then it leads into the excellent music and then i also really love kind of the miniature that they use to kind of pan over that and ultimately lead up to the house with the spider coming out. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, the, the flyover that was real life at first, right? Like that was, so actually, I was like, trying to do some, footage? I was trying to find, uh, like there's two cuts in there. Um, the very first one has a little bit of a jitter to it. So I almost feel like that one was kind of live action. And then there are t during the two cuts, it, I feel those are miniatures. And obviously the last one that leads into the view of the house is a miniature. 
Um, Correct. I think the second cut, that clip, I saw some of the same vehicles that I saw in the third cut. So I'm wondering if they like cut it to have it kind of pace out long enough and just move some of the models around to kind of have it feel like it's a larger city than what it was. Mm, Yeah, it could be. I was really trying to find some details on that, um, but I really wasn't able to find much. I found some good behind the scenes stuff that um, kind of talked about the different animatronics that they used for the, you know, snake head that, you mm-hmm. know, was terrorizing the people. Um, but beyond that, I really wasn't finding any details directly tied to the miniature and the, gotcha. the panning over top. Yeah. So I, I, when first I was like, okay, they're doing like a, like a helicopter pan of, it, it you definitely know, had a jitter in that first clip, but the next two Agreed. after that seemed a lot smoother to me. Correct. Yeah. And, and some of the trees and stuff you could, I could kind of point it, pick out that it was like that, like flocking mm-hmm. material, not like actual tree and stuff. But I, I, I had to do a double take and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure some of it was actual aerial and then some of it, the rest of it was all, all yeah. model. I definitely um, watched it a few times trying to like, how did they do that? Right. But yeah, so the, the opening sequence again, I, I think uh, I can't overemphasize how uh, how that really set the mood of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So the next thing I, I wrote down as a note is I don't think I've ever seen a movie with a young Alec Baldwin in them in it. I've I've only ever had experiences with Alec Baldwin when he's been like, I think, 50s and up. OK. Um, so that was that was kind of a neat note for myself. Is so that, you're, that was first time you're more it. of like the 30 Rock Alec Baldwin and beyond. Yes. Is that kind yep. of where you're at? Yeah, I always knew growing up he was an actor and, and, and all that, but I never really had any experience in seeing him in anything. Um, so that was uh, just noteworthy for me is, you know, as, as popular as Alec Baldwin is. Um, that's the first time I've seen him as a young, a young Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I think. He did a lot of TV, I think, early on in his career. And this may have been one of like his kind of uh, movie kind of breakthrough roles. But I know he was in like The Hunt for Red October was a great one that you may have seen, maybe. Uh... Oh, I have seen it. Um, yeah. But, so you know, I probably just didn't recognize him or or take note at the time. Because I think that's another movie I haven't seen since uh, the 90s. Okay. So, um, yeah, and then the, the details there are hazy. One of my favorite movies growing up was the shadow um he played in that uh it's it's not a great movie by any means but it is the shadow which um if you're not familiar that is a character that inspired batman a little bit so yeah kind of a interesting tie that the next movie tim burton and michael keaton do after this is batman hmm it's a good point that is a good point but yeah, so uh, this movie reeked of Tim Burton, 100%. That's a which great thing, okay in my with. opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. I, I mean, I really like Tim Burton's um, approach with movies. Like it's over the, the top. aesthetic and like the darkness and like he has this way, like especially with like the Batman movie, the kind of um, dark noir. I think I th- I think the way I would explain it is it's like darkness but with color. Yeah. If that makes sense, like his his movies are always like dark and hazy, but they're always colorful. And then like the whites are mm-hmm. really white. The darks are really dark. 
if there's color in the scene, it's very yeah. colorful. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I think this reeked of Tim Burton Indeed. and yeah, it was a good thing for sure. Um, so yeah, I was interested to find out that, you know, the story arc was Alec Baldwin and his wife or the, yeah, the Maitland. Maitlands. Is that what their name was? Yeah. They, uh, they end up dying and that's how they get into this. Um, I found that interesting because I figured mm-hmm. they would have been the inhabitants of the house. Um, and, and Beetlejuice might've been like haunting them, but really it turns out they were ghosts, but they were being haunted kind well, of they were being haunted by, by Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice as well. And also kind of the people that moved into the place because they were just tearing everything apart and changing. Right. Which is yeah. just terrible. Except for Lydia. Yeah. Lydia was the exception. <laughs> yeah, the... Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, like I said, no, having seen the cartoon, I think her character stayed true to the cartoon or in the mm-hmm. cartoon, I should say. It's not. Yeah, this came first. Um, yes. So, yeah, that I thought that was cool. Um, you know, Lydia kind of played out to be that like uh, doom and gloom, like child of, of darkness kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, much how she was in the cartoon. I, I took note of the characters that they put they introduced into this, even though they're not like big characters they are just like, especially when they like when they go to the afterlife, like headquarters kind of thing to like go check in with their representative. Um, and they're in that waiting room and there's all these people that are like dead and it shows like how they died. Like there's the, I'm guessing she's some kind of dancer and she's cut in half. Mm -hmm. And I took note of the guy that was smoking, like he's like, what a smoke. And he's (laughs) like still smoldering because he apparently died in a fire. Right. That was pretty funny. And then the shrunken head guy, I think is hilarious. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. (sighs) I don't know if I would call it the afterlife. They got this weird thing that's like they don't really touch upon heaven or hell per se, but it's like this odd purgatory or afterlife experience. And one of the things that I don't know if you caught on to this, the kind of receptionist that like initially talked to them, um, she kind of revealed that she had kind of cut her wrist. And then we had the other guy that was talking to them escorting them to room six or whatever and he's like how do i look and he's super flat um plus there's another guy that has handing out mail and he's hanging from a rope he's, hang- he's hanging yeah uh, there's a part where uh i think it's Orth- otho otho yeah otho, whatever his yep. name is he talks about how people who commit suicide end up in uh human services in the afterlife which right they're all suicides that are yep. pretty much customer service well even even their rep um if you if you noticed she had her, her uh throat slit mm-hmm. um so yeah i thought that was i thought that was a pretty funny uh a nod or i guess i guess not really nod but like a callback yeah um that's pretty funny um i do i did like the guy that was flattened out and he's like how do i look they don't have mirrors <laughs> down here <laughs> yep um but yeah the design of everybody was really cool um i liked it do you know who that uh, was yeah, by the way no do you know Boy Blue from old school? I do not. You don't remember Blue from old school? Oh, Blue from old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I thought you said something else. Yeah, Blue from old school. I do, I do remember him. Yeah, that's, that's him. him. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yep. Or he's also yeah, I mean, a wedding singer, too. Okay. I didn't know that either. He's one of the drunk um, guys at the bar. He's, okay. he's made a lot of small kind of cameos. I was cameos just going to ask, has he ever played like a main character? In I don't think so. He's movie? usually kind of a side character supporting actor gotcha 
but yeah, so that I thought I thought the uh, character and the aesthetics um, of of the characters in the in the movie were very good, very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they wrote the uh, family that came into the house uh, well, you know, as uh, as like over the top, annoying, pompous, kind of like rich city folk. Yeah, um, that you kind of like want to see money fail. hungry. You can tell the father's kind of like burnt out and just trying to relax a little bit. Right. Yep. And uh, so, you know, I thought I thought they did a good like, hey, you love to hate him kind of character. Mm-hmm. They did a good job writing that. So, yeah, you you kind of already spoke to it. Um, but the banana boat song, uh, that's like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty cool how like they're all just like dancing and they can't like get a hold of themselves. I found it interesting, though, that it didn't scare them. It it invigorated them like they wanted to capitalize on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I um, think if they would have avoided the dancing aspect and like, I don't know, as a kid, when I first watched this, I do remember the like shrimp arms. Those kind of like freaking me out a little bit. Um, But, you know, the aspect of the dancing and stuff kind of makes it a little bit more fun. Yeah, that's true. If they just would have went with the shrimp arms coming out and attacking them, I think that might have sent a different message. I did like the uh, the ortho character. I think it was just ortho ortho. What's his name? Yeah, I think it's also like he, he, there's no R in there. It's A T H O. Yeah. Um, I liked his character. I thought he was kind of funny as like a sidekick to these these. Well, I guess to the the mom. Yeah, he was he was interesting. Yeah, very very over the top. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like I like how they how Beetlejuice scares him at the end. Mm-hmm. Basically puts him in a suit I think that he wouldn't like. Is pretty much how he scared him. At least that's what I took from it, is that he basically like changed his aesthetic. Yeah. Some, it was out. like a bright color kind of blue suit, something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. I thought that was kind of kind of hilarious that that's what did it did him mm-hmm. in. Um but yeah, so the banana boat song part was was awesome. Well, the one thing about that scene that kind of stood out to me and was a little odd, like you can tell they're targeting pretty much everyone but Lydia. And there's one part where you see Lydia kind of tucked back into the corner because she's not dancing during that scene, but she was there at the beginning of it. Uh, But towards the end of it, she's completely gone, which I don't know. That was just something I noticed that was like, where'd she go? Yeah, that's fair. I yeah, I guess I didn't pick up on that that uh that thing, but you're really good at picking up on the uh discrepancies. Yeah, I so. I mean, I'm always kind of watching a movie like I always enjoy a movie typically, but I'm always kind of on the eye for like how did they do that? Like what kind of mindset was the actor in and trying to kind of also catch those kind of continuity errors and things, which there are a lot that I kind of forgive and that one in particular kind of stood out to me as like that was weird, but yeah, kind of makes sense because they didn't want to really scare her, but they kind of did. And obviously she blamed them with Beetlejuice's first appearance to them where the snakes right. in. You know, I do I do find it interesting. The more the more we talk about like the Beetlejuice as a character. Mm hmm. That somebody, some executive looked at Beetlejuice and was like, hey, let's make him a cartoon character. Because he is a, like a sexist sleazeball pig in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of funny just drawing a, drawing a line to that, that, hey, they thought this was a good idea. Let's animate him. 
Um, well, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, if you watch it from an adult brain, you know, you're definitely going to pick up on a lot of stuff. But as a kid, you might not catch on to that as quickly. Um, so you're looking oh. at more of the funny stuff that he's doing or, you know, growing thorns and pricking the finger of Barbara. Um, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it worked out because I, I watched it and liked it as a kid. But mm. um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that would fly nowadays kind of right. thing, you know, eh. just different, different culture. Eh, maybe it would. I don't know. I haven't really I thought know. about that. If there's any things out there that come from adult oriented content. Yeah, I mean, I guess around that time, too, Ren and Stimpy and all that was a thing, right? So mm-hmm. um, it was that, a different that time. It was not a very good <laughs> Back uh, in my day, children's show. Then, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was just just drawing back to that. But I like I like too how uh, adult themed it was as well. Like I I didn't expect some of it. Like um, mm-hmm. when he's Beetlejuice is in the uh, model town, and uh, basically he's trying to swindle them into saying his name three times, and they uh, they don't do it, and they they go back home and. Uh, he gets like real upset and he kicks that tree mm-hmm. and it falls over and he's like, nice fucking model. And then honks his wiener twice. And <laughs> goes like, honk, honk. <laughs> yeah. Like yep. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I agree. The one thing that annoyed me about that part though, is like when they come back to uh, him picking up the tree and putting it back in place, like there's no sign of Beetlejuice at all, which I was like, right. Why wouldn't, be right but then in another things. scene he was a little character that they were able to pick up yeah yep yep so yeah that, i mean that's that's an interesting thing as well i guess about it um i do find it interesting as well again call back to the cartoon and and i guess the the culture around beetlejuice is uh when you see Beetle, beetlejuice in pop culture he's always in that white pinstriped outfit and mm-hmm. he's only in that like one scene yeah, a very small amount of the movie. And so, like, is that is that his, like, de facto get-up? Or is that just something he wore that scene? I think that like is his de facto get-up. Anytime he was wearing something different, it was usually to kind of play out play a, a scene or kind of mock someone or, you know, he changes into the flannel and he's trying to go after Barbara a little bit there when yeah, they that's first fair, meet. Cause he is kind of just sitting there relaxed. I think, uh, like feet up yeah. when he's wearing that. So. But yeah, that was another thing is I was surprised is like, yeah, you only see him dressed like that. Pretty much one scene when, when Lydia is, uh, asking him for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, I, overall, man, I, th- I thought it was a good movie. It was a fun watch. Yeah. I um I don't know like one of the things that really annoyed me <laughs> and I don't know why that Jane character that kind of was coming in and like kind of giving them the hell is like this house is too big for you guys it really should be for a family it's just like bitch who the hell are you get the hell out of here <laughs> right like yeah, I would have told it, her yeah. off and they're trying to be kind of like pleasant with her a little bit but at the same time they're they've had enough of her shit <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm wondering, was she family? Because at one point she said she was family, or was she just saying that to, like, get, like, sympathy from people? Um, I, I think she's trying to get sympathy from people. She's, like, I think she has a completely different last name, but, you know, obviously through family and stuff, um, that could be 
different, but I don't think right. she was true family with them. At least I didn't yeah, they, pick up on that. They really than, like, like try to write her off all the time too. So like kind of, yeah, I would agree. I, I don't like think her character is necessary because she is a realtor. She gives the skeleton key to Lydia. Like, right. There's things that she does to move the story along, but God, like just the initial thing is like, okay, number one, they probably weren't even like looking for a realtor to sell the place, but she's trying right. to push she's them in that just direction. Injecting herself into the situations. Yeah. Trying to make a buck. Yep. Um, which is kind of funny too, because that's kind of why, well, partially why, uh, the new family moved in, mm -hmm. maybe not originally, but it turns into that. Like, you know, they're trying to sell the, sell the town to people in big cities. And, you know, they're saying like, Hey, we could probably buy property from these people for less value than what they know it's worth. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny that like, you know, these are big city sleazeballs doing this, but there's also a small town sleazeball trying yep. to do it too. Mm-hmm. I concur. But yeah, was there anything in the movie that I didn't touch on that you think's noteworthy? Um, I, I think one of the things that like stood out to me, yes, Beeljuice is a sleaze ball and everything, but he's really I I guess been shunned in the afterlife. Um, where he's kind of pursued, you know, more beyond bioexorcisms and stuff like that, which I guess is frowned upon. And he's really trying to get back to doing those things and he has to essentially marry someone to get in and back in to do those things so he kind of devises a plan with the maitland family trying to leverage their recent death their you know lack of knowledge yeah, of the afterlife on it. so he's advertising to them trying to get them to you know call his name um and then ultimately he finds lydia who he's like oh I can marry her and get what I want. Everything goes his way, which eventually, you know, obviously does not play out. And he ends up back in the afterlife where he ends up with a shrunken head. <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting because he's, he's in the afterlife, but like, does that mean he was alive again before or did he die again? Like did he redie or like, what does that mean? Yeah, I don't know if you can really read into that too much. I think you have to forgive the movie a little bit on that aspect, but right. I assume that he was kind of alive based off the agreement. And they did almost kind of work through the marriage ceremony mostly. But yeah, obviously he was eaten by a sandworm and taken back down to the afterlife. Yep. So maybe that's a reset and why he hates sandworms so much. Could be. And did I catch it right? Uh, that's Saturn that they're on? Uh, I don't remember. I, I might miss okay. that. Because he says something about like, uh, looks like you were, uh, or something about yellow on you. You must have been in Saturn. Sandworms are a real problem. Yeah. That, so that, that was, could be. That was something I'm wondering too. Like, okay, what are they saying like Saturn's part of the afterlife? I like it, it was just an interesting thing to add to the movie. Yeah, I don't know if there was um I don't remember Saturn. It's not sticking out to me. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to watch that part again just to make sure that's what I heard. But I I could have swore he said right when he first saw them and he was like hugging them, mm -hmm. um he he said something like either he saw the yellow on them or he smelt it, one of the two. And he said said something about like, "Oh man, the sandworm problems real bad there yeah. right now." I, I just quickly uh, looked at the uh, fandom for Beetlejuice. Uh, it's 
Saturn appears in the film as a type of limbo um, or a more exact, vast, endless desert. So you were right with the uh, okay. Saturn reference. Nice. And that is where the sandworms live and dwell. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of a weird, a weird thing to add. But um, so let me let me ask you this: Was the movie was like the uh, the script written for the movie, or was this like based on something? I don't know entirely. I know that um, there were different writers. I don't remember there being a novelist with this. I think a lot of the inspiration for this came from the success of Poltergeist, where they kind of wanted to flip. Like, instead of having the ghosts um, being there and the family being terrorized, they wanted this to be the ghosts are being terrorized by the family that moved in. So they kind of flipped that aspect. And I don't think it was based off any type of novel or other source that I'm aware of. Okay. I could be wrong. Well, uh, to our listeners, if you want to fact check us or add anything you might know, fun facts around Beetlejuice, Mm -hmm. feel free to let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter at to the movies pod. Oh, we said it. Self promotion. We said it right. early. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, anything else uh, noteworthy from your end? Uh I don't think there's too much else to kind of touch on. Uh, I really kind of thought they did a great job overall. Uh, the family kind of being set up early that these two are really in love um you know it seemed like there was definitely a little bit of uh a past that they didn't touch upon maybe with like a failed start for having a child um which i didn't think they needed to dive into but they kind of hinted at that a little bit yep i appreciate their staycation uh two week staycation let alone which i only ever really take a week staycation but a two week staycation sounds amazing Sure does. They had Beetlejuice in there. Uh, obviously, he wasn't uh, in there as much, but I felt he was in there enough that he was causing problems. And I really loved um, a lot of the different scenes that he was in. That snake attack scene, I thought was very well done. The animatronic that they put together for that was really creepy, and I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Even the scene where you know Lydia calls him out and turns it into a little bit of a circus uh type thing that was kind of fun yeah the big Um, the big like uh merry-go-round kind of thing and the merry-go-round the test your strength yeah yep yeah i don't know i just i had a lot of fun with this uh movie revisiting it as well um and then it stars a lot of people i really enjoy watching act and then obviously this leads into batman which we all know how i feel about batman and if you don't, I, no, I, I don't, love I don't Batman. Think we do. I, don't I think love we Batman. Do. I love Batman. <laughs> sure does. Yes. Uh, so yeah, what would you uh, give this score wise, Sir Kimball? So uh, I really like this movie. Um, I think you know, like you have your list of like Halloween movies and stuff that you like to watch. I might add this as mine. You know, since I'm not a scary movie kind of guy, mm-hmm. um, this might be my fun like Halloweenish kind of movie to watch. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. I think, I think I'm going to give it a, uh, give it a four. Oh, wow. Interesting. Cause that's pretty much the exact score I give it. Nice. It's not very often we match. 
It's true. But yeah, like there's not a lot. Like I, I think this one also might suffer a little bit from kind of like the nostalgia feels. But in general, I still find it to be quality and I enjoy watching it. So, yeah. Agreed. And it's it's one of those movies, too, where. It's it's a short movie, so Mm -hmm. like, you know, you could on like a late night or whatever, knock it out pretty quick if you wanted to just watch it again for fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it was the right the right pacing, the right right length of time and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I guess I do want to mention real quick about it is that it had a fairly small budget for this type of movie and uh burton really wanted it that way especially for kind of the effects where i think overall the movie had like a 15 million dollar budget and they only really used a million dollars for the effects so what they were able to pull off with that i think number one holds up pretty well even to today's yeah. standards and yeah and i just want to say great job to the effects team on this yeah, I think I appreciate that it was small budget, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like even like thinking back about it, like uh, you you can tell it's low budget, but it fits. It fits the whole feel of the movie. Like um, when when uh, I can't remember her name, but when she uh, has the whorehouse spawn, basically. So mm-hmm. like Beetle just gets preoccupied. It yep. looks like a, looks like a, a plywood building built real quick for like a horror show kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah. uh, or like not a horror show but like a haunted house like front or something yep. you know and i thought that fit really well yeah i agree very nice so yeah i guess that's gonna wrap up this episode unless you have any last minute things uh no i think it was i think think we covered everything all right well with that out of the way the next movie that we're going to uh, be watching and promoting is a little bit older. It's a little bit of a comedy. Has a lot of uh, popular actors, some that we've seen elsewhere, and it's going to be the movie Stripes, which all right is one of my favorites. It's I mean it's got all of those classic character like John Candy, Bill Murray, all those guys. And it's from you know 1981, so. I think uh, it's going to be a fun one to revisit. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love me some John Candy, so I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, we definitely need to work some more of his movies into the mix. So that's going to wrap us up. Uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter at To The Movies Pod. We've started a new kind of daily game there that you can participate in. Check that out. And thanks for joining us. Man, thanks for dragging me to the movie, Ned. No problem, man. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.